Welcome everyone to our April fireside chat. And as everyone comes in, we have some really, really big news to announce. Um, so I wanna just get everyone in and uh, be able to share that with you. So let us know where you're um, calling in from in the chat. We have the chat open. We'd love to hear from y'all. We're here with Alana today, Alana Albertson, who almost needs an introduction, but we're gonna give her one anyways, because um, she's here with us today. And we're gonna be talking all about serial fiction and subscriptions. So this should be great. And let's see, I'll give it like one or two minutes for people to come in. Everyone's coming, this is amazing. We're very, very excited to have you all here. And I think we have some interesting news for people, which is that some people um, may know that me and Amelia have been working on something called Ream. And we have something maybe sad to announce, which is that Ream might not be coming out like you'd expect. And fortunately, I'll, I'll have to drop the link in the chat. For now on, if y'all want to have your subscriptions, we think that the best place to go would be the site and the link in the chat. Um, I recommend you go there. I recommend you check it out. Unfortunately, you know, the Ream site um, and Ream itself, it's um, tough times for us. Yeah, um, I encourage you all to go to the site. You know, it's April Fools, everyone. <laughs> I encourage you. To my to God, my, oh like, my let's goodness! Try not to all laugh. <laughs> I was like very confused at first because I forgot we were doing this. And I was like, "What is this announcement?" Like, what did he just do? Please go to the link in the chat, though. <laughs> that that is a real link, um, and I. It's April Fools. Yeah. Yes, it's April Fools. And if you go to the link in the chat, it confirms that it, it's April Fools. Um, Reem's actual public launch is May 7th, but we're not here today to talk about the launch of Reem. We're here today to talk all about you, Alana, and serial fiction. And we're gonna be getting advice from both you and Amelia, who I think combined probably have something close to 100 million story reads online. Like just- yeah, So maybe we should actually combine and like, <laughs> maybe we should do something joint and like and like get all these- Maybe. Together. Yeah, let's, let's do that. That would, be, that would probably be like uh, like the death star it would just take over serial fiction <laughs> superstar serial yeah, the yeah. Superstar serial which i know a lot of like people here are probably familiar with me and amelia and many of you are probably familiar with alana but just to give you a very brief introduction you are a top three amazon best-selling author you were the number two author on radish for like well over a year and now have many things related to Hollywood going on in the background and lots of books coming soon, which we're all very excited for. And you're also the creator of the Six Figure Serials course. So you help authors a lot, write how to write better serials because you happen to do really, really well in serials. One of the best people in the world at it. So we're here to talk today about serials and for everyone who's here, I'd love to hear. I love seeing Southeast England. I think we have Ottawa, San Diego, Ohio, Texas, a lot of people from all over, which is amazing. We'd love to hear where you're from, but we'd also love to hear your questions for Alana and Amelia about serial fiction subscriptions. We're going to be talking specifically about Vela in a little bit, 
So we'll get there. But I have some questions to start us off for both of you. We'll just trade it off. You both could answer the question or just one. But my first one is, what are your top three tips, just in general, not about subscriptions yet, but just about cereals? What are your top three tips for writing cereals? You want to go first? I, I feel like ours are going to be the same. Um, so for me, it would definitely be cliffhangers, um, definitely cliffhangers, consistency, and um, for consistency, I mean setting like a schedule that you can stick to and having a specific, specifically set days throughout the week and times that you're going to post um, on your serial fiction platform, as well as I would say like shorter chapters and shorter, I mean, anywhere between 1000 and 2000 words. So those are my top three. You should definitely do this for serial fiction. I completely agree with that. Um, I would definitely, yes, yeah, for sure cliffhangers or no one's gonna read. Um, I think one of my first editors said never end a chapter where they go to bed because that's when your reader goes to bed. So you always wanna end on the rising, act, or the rising action. So that definitely consistency, which is something I've obviously failed at completely. So um, be Amelia, not me, um, but a hundred percent, that is your, your biggest um, uh, tip. Um, and then I would say my third would be, don't write a book and chop it up. Um, and that's the biggest mistake that I see. And especially when I'm in forums with people on Vela, uh, you know, people are doing Patreon um, and people who are starting subscriptions. This is what I hear. I hear, I wrote this amazing book and I want to put it up there first. Um, and, and they don't understand why why that book doesn't translate, you know, that may be an amazing book. You make, may make a killer of it wide or on KU or whatever you decide to do with it, but that's not a serial. So serial, to me, you think of it as a television show, you populate it differently, you plot it differently. Um, serial is not a book chopped up. That being said, I completely chop up my backlist to make extra revenue because, hey, why not? So I will put that on serial fictions and then I will like extend it or edit it or, you know, put the series together so I can get some type of read through, but I get nothing like I do with an actual true serial. So serials are not books chopped up. Hmm. You know, I'm curious because someone like Amelia, you're taking your serials and then kind of the subscription model, right? You're writing in a serial format, early access, chat by chapter. Then a lot of authors, including yourself, will then take that book that you might put in the subscription first, then serial fiction platforms, and then you put it on an ebook retailer. And that kind of like reverse chop up, like how does that work when you're instead packaging those chopped up chapters into a book? Is there a different process you take when you've written a serial and now you're putting that serial as a novel on a platform? Well, I'm um, not so, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, so I used to change it up when I put it, put it into a book, but I keep it the same exact way as it is like in serial format, just because like, I want people to not want to put the book down. So when they're reading like the physical book, they come to the end of the chapter and they're like, oh my God, I need to read the next one. Like I need to know what's going to happen. And at the end of every chapter, that's what they feel. And so they just continue to read the book. Um, and it's not, not, they don't like, they don't really, they can come to a stop, like a stopping point, but they don't want to stop. And so I don't change it anyway when I put it from serial to ebook. But what about you, Alana? Um, I don't change it either, but to me, it gives me more um, freedom publishing. So like um, for 
my well it, and this really depends if you're if you're ku or wide and for cereal cereals i strongly suggest wide unless you want to do a brief thing um of like ku and put like a huge thing in there but um like so for instance for me like i actually publish them as little tiny novellas um and that's what i do and that to max because i have some people who will only read short reads and then i publish it as a book so this is actually three novellas and then i publish it see this is all about maximizing your revenue with one prep pop um product and then i published it as like a season box set which is here um and so it's three different products um and it it's not illegal amazon wise because um you can do it so then you get different types of readers so this is like an omnibus of seven of a full season this is this is three but it reads more like a novella this one i actually did edit so this one is less serially um because i whereas these are exactly what i had put up on the serial site so this one actually reads like a book and i was just because you know you'll get readers who are like i only read books or i hate short fiction and so i want everyone happy and and then it's your same product 200 different ways more money mm -hmm. mm, that's very okay that's very interesting um we had actually an interesting question in the chat that's like right on this point which i want to keep getting more questions in the chat we'll switch back and forth here and the question was from tony i believe tony was the first person to ask this who says, how often do you publish um, a serial for basically, I'll say maximum success, you said maximum dollar effect, but same same kind of thing. How, how are you publishing a serial? How many times per week? Um, they suggested maybe one or three times a week. They're not sure. Is there a kind of an optimal chapter publishing frequency for serials? You could start, Alana. Yeah, so I, again, this is a do as I say and not as I do or do as Amelia does and not as I do. So um, I... Again, I wrote them as books first. There weren't serial sites, um, though I, I did have part of it up on Wattpad. Um, and then when Radish released me, they were releasing daily, um, and I was just making an obscene amount of money um, doing that. However, then with all their algorithms, and I was, you know, one of their kind of beginning authors. I think the platform been around a year. They did all this research, and so their research showed that it was optimal two times a week. So then we 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 went from daily because some people would get behind, they wouldn't want to do it, and we had like a launch day. So I had we had like seven deadly seals Saturday, and then we would do Tuesday, and then we would drop to once a week. I think it's ideal twice a week. Um, and yeah, I'm. Um I would say two to three times this week as well. I know like um, one of my most popular stories updating on Wattpad right now is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, and it's that constant like hit. They could like miss a day if they wanted to, um, but then another hit the next, a couple of days later. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the dopamine hit is really important because that's what we're trying to do. We're pretty much gamifying yeah. writing. Um, and what you get with people, especially if you, you know, are super sharp leaving them on clips and like Amelia's writing, you're dying to do it. These people are waiting to get that next yeah. thing on that day. And so it kind of creates this kind of event where it's like, you know, that I was talking to um, an executive who created Musty. Uh, this dates me. Okay, guys, I'm 47. Sorry, but um, Musty TV 90s and or 80 like like you know Cosby show. So it was like every you know you on Thursday you had like 
or you had like growing pains or, you know, Cosby show or family time, but it was must see TV. You know, we didn't have DVRs. We didn't have what, like, if you missed it, you never saw it again, unless you had like your recorder and stuff. So, but it created this thing that you have to do it. And, and if you're doing something with serials, you don't want to be, let's say she releases a chapter on Friday and you're busy and whatever. And then someone says in a chat and gives away the cliffhanger or you have a community. Cause a lot of this is about community too. You don't want to miss that. So you go there and you make sure you're on it that moment or you miss that kind of rush so yeah mm, yeah that's that's a really good point but you know what I'm already kind of feeling here and I wrote something this week about this and we had a conversation in the Facebook group this week about it which is this idea of like expectations for like yourself as a writer and then like the expectations you set for readers so we were talking about consistency right and then I'm now hearing like you know two to three times a week which which sounds great but for an author who's like I don't know if I could like write chapters through the times of week. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up with it. What would be your advice for someone who might not write uh, consistently, but write in these sprints where you get 20,000 words in one week and then maybe 5,000 the next, 20,000 next. I know I could be like that sometimes. Other people could. How do you still do serials where you have to release consistently and follow that expectation? At least that's the best advice. How do you follow that if your writing style isn't like, oh, I write a new chapter every other day? Um, so for, for this, and this is something, and I've said this on multiple things, this is my biggest failure as a writer. I have not been consistent. I, you know, look a squirrel, I start writing something else like, and this has, has, you know, been something I've really, really struggled at. Uh, the key here is patience. Um, the best thing traditional publishing taught me was, you know, I mean, I turn in my book and like, so my next book that comes out July 4th, I literally turned it in two years ago. Right. Um, and it's painful versus, you know, what I normally did indie, which is finish a book and hit, hit publish. Right. Um, and so you know, there was a amazing author, Liliana Hart, who was kind of like at the forefront at the beginning of the indie kind of thing. She was like huge in 2012. Should have listened to her then, but she had a thing called um, uh, three in the basket, two in the hole. And so her thing was like, hey, instead of being this debut author, this applies to serials all, but like you write this book and it's amazing, but then people have nowhere to go. And that's the death of serials. So if people are super into your thing, they're reading it on water, Patreon or Ream or Radish or whatever, Vela. And they don't have the next and they've forgotten about you. So, so you need, and if I was launching today, I would write it and then release it. So you can have that. So you can bank, you have 10 in the bank and then you can do it. You don't have to do, you know, three times a week may be overwhelming twice a week, or even as I, uh, towards the end, when I was super slacking, I was just doing once a week. So we were doing seven daily seal Saturday, but I kept it up until I was uh, forced to stop uh, releasing due to my publisher. But, um, but it, you for serial fiction, you will lose that momentum no matter how amazing you are. Like I, I haven't released in two and three years, and I guarantee. Well, I don't know if I put mine up. I don't even know if anyone would read it. Like all my readers hate me, but my my point is, it is worth it to bank your work to make that schedule, um, because readers want that hit. That's the point of serial fiction. So that's my opinion. Yeah, kind of kind of going off that, I would say um, if you're not like if you know you can't stick to a consistent schedule, like at least once a week, definitely write the book ahead of time and then release it um, because you don't want, like I work very well being like last minute and like writing the chapter like the day before the day of, um, but a lot of people aren't like that. And so I would say write the book ahead of time 
And again, kind of like echoing what Alana said, um, patience is like definitely key. Um, I know at least for my novels that I publish, I have probably like eight on the back burner that I haven't even released yet. And I want to release them so bad because I'm just like, I just want them out there. They're done. They went through all my serial funnels and all my subscription funnels, but I'm waiting because like, if I don't wait, then I'm not going to have that, like anything else for people to, to read afterwards. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I have, the last time I indie published was 2020 because I'm under a traditional publishing contract, but I still write every day. Um, I have at least 24 books done, including finishing the serial and I'm legally not allowed to release. Um, So when I can release, I'm still, I I can't, well, I'll I'll have a window, but, um, but I am going to release the stuff that I'm able to consistently doing. I'm also launching a monster romance pen. And for that, I, that is kind of like doing right. Everything I did wrong with my actual pending. Cause I didn't know what I was doing and I was just releasing. I had no clue, but I'm going to literally have like a release a month and expectations and lead ma- like it's going to be done perfectly. Not cause I'm awesome, but I've been doing nothing else for the past three years. So I have that content and, and, you know, especially if this is your full-time job or you want this to be full-time your job and you're dreaming of being a full-time writer, we understand a million, like we understand this is like, you want to release the books and you're like, and I've done that. And I've been like, okay, well, at least I'll just get it out and they'll wait. Well, the thing is you will lose that momentum. And um, it, it, in the long run, it is absolutely not worth it to put it out if you have it nowhere. And I understand, and I've been like, well, forget it. I'll just put it out. Um, And that has been a mistake for me. Yeah, no, that's, Really, really good insights. And we have like a theme of questions in the chat, which I had a question very similar to these questions in the chat. So I'm gonna try and kind of amalgamate them together. But before that, I will say, thank you everyone for asking questions, keep them coming. If you have questions about serial fiction and subscriptions, like we're here and we'd love to help you out, especially because we have Alana here today as a special guest. So we have a few questions that are related to really like discoverability of serial fiction. and. One from Christopher Hopper got me especially interested because he said that he's ready to launch the fourth book in his current series to paid subscribers on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and audio on Tuesday and Thursday. That model reminds me a lot of Michael Chatfield, although knowing you, Christopher, my guess is that you're narrating, but you wrote Monday, Tuesday yourself. Um, Michael Chatfield was doing like book one, Monday, Wednesday, Friday was like ebook. And then like the prior book from another series was like audiobook. Tuesday and Thursday, but I think you might be doing the same book concurrently. I'm I'm curious, but regardless of that, um, his question, which is very similar to some of the other questions, which is, what are strategies for serializing the first three books for free to a wider audience as a subscription on-ramp? Or basically, how do you make serial fiction and f- find a serial fiction audience that can reach new people through serial fiction? Um, Amelia and I have t- uh, talked about this and we can both kind of give our thing on this, but, um, also, um, I've, you know, done a ton of stuff with the digital marketing, um, background and, um, 
you know, I offer courses from authors and everything. And so what you learn, and this is a non-author thing, is all about funnels, right? And so, you know, you funnel people in through freebies through your list. And so authors really need to think about funnels, right? So the best way, um, I used Wattpad as a funnel. Radish was built on Wattpad being a funnel for the number one Radish author, Rob Thier. Um, I was number two. And so what he did was he would put his stuff free on Wattpad and then Radish came to him and said, we'll put um, extended stuff um, on on Radish or so you get it, you, you can either wait to get it free on Wattpad and um, then you get the earlier chapters, you know, so we were talking about the dopamine hits on Radish. So, so to me, you absolutely have to have a funnel and you have to have a plan. Serial readers are not your normal readers. Um, when I, when I advise serial fiction readers all the time, they're like, oh, well, I'll just send it to my list. And I'm like, have you written serial fiction? They're like, oh, I'm like, I have zero cross. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I have some crossover, but my Radish readers and my Wattpad readers are different than my, just to my, you know, I wish they were the same, but they're not. So you have to have freebies and then you have to have an incentive for them to go to your paid site as Reem, right? So like what you want to do is something where it's either bonus content for me. Um, I write romance. So Wattpad's clean. And then I hate the word clean, but it's, it's, there's no sex. Um, there's no cussing. And then you go into, um, to the paid site and then you get actually that, and you get it faster. So um, you have to have a reason. Otherwise, you no. Know if you're releasing, you know, then you're not going to have that. I mean, once you're huge, um, then of course the rules change. That's my advice for for a new 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 person. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, definitely have that funnel. Um, in from book, this is your fourth book, so um, I don't know how you would funnel. Um, you would have to have them go through a really long funnel in order to get to book four if you're serial or serializing and putting the fourth book behind a subscription. Um, but I, I mean, you can test it out on serial platforms, putting those books as free to get people into your universe. Um, you can also test it out on um, newsletter as well. You you might not have like a lot of people who are into serial fiction or like reading like that, but you can always try like. There, there might be a few people who um, really, really want your book right now and they don't care that, that it's only coming out in like one chapter at a time and in different format than usual. So yeah, that's what I would say. That's very helpful. And I, with all the talk about the word serial fiction platforms, serial fiction sites, I'm guessing people are like, well, what's best for me? And I know everyone listening, we all write different genres, different subgenres. And definitely like Royal Road might not be the best place if you're writing contemporary romance. Whereas if you're writing Portal Fantasy or RPG, it is great. But without going into all the different nuances of platforms, uh, the serial fiction guide that we have up on the site, totally free. And it gives you very reputable platforms that you could post on. There's a lot of different platforms that exist. Um, we purposely didn't include many that we didn't feel really treated authors great. And then also didn't have like a large base of readers. So we wanted to kind of really get the top tier ones that are really maybe worth your time, depending on your genre, which speaking of this serial fiction and then early access and subscriptions, which both of you really mentioned, we had a question from October, which is, what advice, um, actually, I'm saying the wrong name. Um, we had a, a question from Inca, which is, what is the ideal length of time between publishing to your paying readers who are seeking early access and making it available to everyone else on the other serial platform? So essentially, how early should you offer early access? 
I did a month, but um, you know, it's it's variable. It, yeah, I would say it definitely varies. I know a lot of the RPG authors do about like a month to two months, um, depending on what tier you're in and your subscription. I'm all over the place, so don't don't look at me for this. I sometimes I have the full book. Yeah, I have like sometimes I have the full book done. Um, other times I'm updating at the same time. It's just yeah, my brain is all over the place. So um, it honestly depends on you and what you feel comfortable with releasing to yeah yeah there's different ways you can do it yeah I've seen authors do like just a week ahead for like a lower mm -hmm. tier and then maybe like that's like your three or five dollar tier and then you go up to ten dollars and now you're at like four weeks or eight weeks early um so you could do like tiered early access where the people who get it earlier get it get it even earlier if you pay more and then it becomes really tough to downgrade because like downgrading yeah. is like less of a benefit than upgrading so once you get them in to that certain amount it's really hard to get them to they want to stay there um and tabitha on this kind of note of like bringing people in from the funnel from a serial platform to subscriptions asked can you post a part of a chapter on wattpad um with a link to your ream page for the rest of the chapter then to get more chapters Wait, uh, yeah. So basically, can you post a link um, on a serial site that goes to a paid site, a paid subscription site, um, and then have the readers read the rest of the chapters there ahead? Are you able to do that? Yeah, I, that, well, um, it depends on what platform you're using. I know on Wattpad, you can't put, you could put a link, but it's not like, it's not hyperlinked. Yeah. Um, but you could put it, your, that link in your bio. Um, I know Radish, I've mentioned um, like a going off that plat off the Radish platform or reading somewhere else and they've deleted my comments. So just be wary of that. Um, but you can say like, uh, hey, read the rest of this, all these chapters over on my subscription platform. The link is in my bio. That's what I do. Yeah, Radish will totally delete you in a heartbeat, but Radish, you can say something like, um, uh, you know, go to my website for information on, on reading more of this. And then, and then if they go, then you can, um, you know, link them off. Yeah. You get, get them to click somewhere a little, you know, be a little vague about it. And then on the, <laughs> yeah, don't be very vague. Um, I think that's great advice and kind of talking about these different serial fiction platforms. I know Vela has like recently changed their link policy, not, not in a huge way, but it's a it's a new platform and speaking about Vela specifically um you mentioned Alana before we were live that you have a meeting with some people at Vela next week and that you might be interested in hearing from everyone here questions that you have for the Vela team that Alana could like ask on behalf of the author community yeah so my Amazon rep um set me up with head of the senior um acquisitions for Vela and they're begging me to write something for them. I'm legally not allowed to. Um, so I don't know what is happening. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, my rep is the one who, um, power of serial fiction, my serial, uh, some deadly seals that did so well. Um, they pitched to Amazon studios last, not last Wednesday, the Wednesday before. Um, so serial fiction sky's the limit. Um, so I probably will, um, put something on Vala. Um, but um, if you have any questions, I have this rare 
conversation with the head. I was one of their launch authors and I never launched um, as well. Um, so, so yeah, and they, on KDP University, I did something um, talking about Vela platform with the head of, uh, of KDP and the Vela team. So I've had a ton of conversations with them. Um, and initially when they, they, they started it, they asked a lot of top serial authors, like what we should do and how we should implement. And I gave all these suggestions and they took a zero of them. Um, so like, I'm seeing a lot of comments. I've already posted places like, Hey, I have this talk with Vela. If you have questions, everyone wants to know, um, you know, everyone wants to know when it's going to be and not just, you know, America, everyone, you know, Canada, UK, like, I'll try to get an answer on that. That's probably my number one question. Um, you know, stuff about, you know, not having it in review, it'll always be in review because they're afraid, you know, people can slip and hate words or whatever. So you will, every time you update something, even if it's minor, it'll go through review. Um, but my thing with Vela is um it's it's just a mystery it's just i don't really understand like i it could be absolutely amazing but it's just it's yeah and that lack of technology yeah so i, I could talk about bella <laughs> forever but um it's it's fascinating to me but um yeah they keep they keep hitting me up so we'll we'll see of oh, the so, comment that was the, uh, acting about the comments uh, features to readers to react that is the number one thing i told them like like this was two yeah. three doing lunch they're like what do you need to do to make this work i'm like you need comments you need people to interact they're like we're gonna do this like yeah so i mean nothing i say is gonna matter at all but yeah so i think that there's like this consensus on a, a new comment features and opening globally. Yeah. And the US market is small for, for serial readers. Uh, serial reading is seems to be much bigger. In oh, absolutely. Nationally. Yeah. I mean, internationally, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's very, very exciting. And um, hopefully, I mean, for, for, for the sake of this industry and for the sake of all of us as authors, it would be great to see just any platform making positive strides towards adding things that can, that can be good. So I, I hope they listen to you and also take some of the things you've said in the past uh, and other authors as well. Oh, so Tony asks, are serials translated? Translations? I've translated mine and I've translated mine in Spanish um, and it's done pretty well. I mean, not very well, but okay. Um, though I, um, I'm putting them in audio and the audio is done really well, which is so weird. Um, and I, that's not the best language to translate it. I'm Mexican, so I just put it in Spanish, but, um, but German, you know, and other markets are really good. Um, so. hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah, uh, the ser serialized audio is like a whole, whole other world with what's going on in the podcasting space. Um, mm -hmm. Realm was a company that was really focused on like fiction podcasts, and I'm curious if any of y'all have tried like serializing your stories and putting them on like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Yeah, Seven Deadly Seals is Seven Deadly Serials. It is a podcast on Apple. It's done great. I just stopped uploading. I have them all done, and I, I think I only have like 10, 10 up. But I put them up, and it did it did incredibly well. Um, and I got that idea from this other serial author. I want to say his name was Scott, and that's how he got this huge deal. Um, he started serializing his audio. Um, so I did that. And I, so basically I took my audio book and I chopped it up and into little podcasts. And then um, I had the audio team create an intro and an outro for it. And it did really well. But um, again, I just stopped releasing, but that's a me problem. But um, yeah, it, it did awesome. And I'm just stupid. So yeah. Well, well, I'm curious. It did, it did awesome. Like, obviously, like you're a tremendous writer, and writing great stories is like the, the key, key thing. But I'm curious because I mean, authors always ask, like, 
you know, on Amazon, you run ads or either through Amazon themselves or Facebook or these other services. When you post something, you know, you're, you're in, you get the RSS feed, episode one's live on Spotify and Apple. You know, what do you do there to go from, obviously the moment it's uploaded has zero listeners to then getting thousands and thousands and thousands. You know, what was the marketing push that went behind that? If any, what, what happened? I did nothing. <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't even post it. I just, I didn't do a damn thing. I just put it up. And, um, and, and I mean, that's the thing with cereals, at least for me. And I've never run ads on my cereals ever. Mm -hmm. I ever, um, not, not a single time. So, um, what's what Wattpad's what's cute on Wattpad is you can like take like your quote and like automatically up, upload it to Instagram. Um, so I've done that a couple of times. Um, I've, you know, tweeted the head of Wattpad and he's posted my chapters. Um, so that's fun. He loves tweets. Um, and, um, he's really cool. Um, but yeah, I've never run any advertisement at all ever on my, any of my serials. Um, yep. Either. Yeah. That's, that's really, really interesting, which brings me to a question, which is let's say, cause I've talked to plenty of authors who like, so you do really well on Wattpad. That's great. Like you just upload your chapters and you do really well. Well, what happens if your story's not getting traction on a serial fiction platform? What would you tell an author in that position? What's, what's maybe a sign that needs improvement for that story or a future story to start to gain more traction on whatever the serial site be, Wattpad, Radish, Railroad? Um, I think a lot of people are looking for a quick fix. I mean, obviously good writing always helps. I mean, for serial fiction, definitely Wattpad, you want to interact with community and not like fake. This is what I say about social media, like on Instagram. Um, I took a long time, you know, building my Instagram. I had a lot more. I think of like 21,000 now. I had like 27. So I think a lot of people left or maybe they were bots. I don't know. But one of the ways I built it was I would interact, not like fakely interact just to get them to follow me. I mean, obviously I wanted them to follow me, but I would actually, this is the early days of the platform 2017 I would like someone else would post and I would ask them a question and I would comment on my big authors not just gratuitously like of course I want them to follow but I would literally have conversations so I did that on what um and my friend Tamara Lush who's like a Wattpad paid superstar that's how she really built her Wattpad thing so like she would go into the communities and she would comment on stories and whatever so that's obviously one thing you can do but of course you need to focus on your writing um, so, I mean, I think I find a lot of times there's a ton of author classes like do, and I offer them too, like do this, market this, do your backlist and whatever, but like, you know, craft is also very important. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was just, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, there's not going to be a, like a quick fix, but serial fiction is a, is a lot different because you could run paid ads to it, but it's not necessarily the best way to market it. And I would say like, you obviously want to have really good writing. Um, I mean, it doesn't look kind of like backpacking. It doesn't have to be really good writing, like like grammar, perfect, spelling, perfect. Um, there are a lot of books on Wattpad that aren't like that, but are really, really popular. And the reason why they're popular is because they, they hit like a, a trope or they hit a genre that people really want and they have cliffhangers. And so um, that's what I mean when I say good um, for serial fiction. Um, but what I did to kind of get big on Wattpad was I post, I, I did a lot of community stuff. So I leave author notes, I respond to comments. When I was first starting, like first, first few weeks, I, um, everyone who left a comment, I messaged them individually, like 
through direct message or on their message board. And I said, hey, thanks for reading this specific story. I hope you enjoy it. Some people responded, some people didn't, but I have tested that out recently and people love like seeing like the author is like in your DMs and they're like, hey, thank you for reading this. But, um, they, they enjoy that. So it, it's definitely a lot of community building. If you build it, they will come. Like you, you can't yeah. just put it up and pray. And 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 I will read books by, and I do consultations with authors all the time. And they'll be like, my books. And sometimes I'm reading a book. I'm like, this book is so awesome. It's so much better than anything I've ever written. Oh, kitty. Um. And so and, <laughs> and then and then I'm like, and they're like, why isn't it selling? You know. And they're and it's like, well, they're like, I can't afford a cover. And like, I totally understand that. But no one's buying your. I mean, this is less with cereal because you don't need it. Um. But like, I'm like, your cover's horrible. Like, no one's gonna buy that book. Or like, you know, but. People People don't know about the book. Like back in my day, like, you know, 2013, 2014 could just put up a book on Amazon and someone would find it and they may or may not buy it. That just does not happen. You just cannot put up a book and just miraculously think that it's going to, same with a serial. You can't just do that. You have to do the work. And yes, ads are one way, um, but you have to actually talk to people. People need to know that you're writing. Like you, you have, however small, you know, so. Oh, I know those days. Let's go back. Time machine to 2013. Yeah. No, I mean, Jody had a question going back a little bit, which was with today's market conditions. If you don't currently have a huge readership in regular fiction and you are curious about trying a serial, how do you find readers? Which I, I think this question to elucidate, I, I'll just say up front, definitely different audiences between regular fiction and serial fiction, but then it proves this kind of point, just even serials. If you're just getting off the ground, even now, I'm sure Wattpad's more, every platform's a bit more, a bit more saturated. Um, so, yeah. you know, if you were getting started today, I mean, you got started relatively recently, Amelia. You got started like four years ago when you really blew up, three and a half years ago when you really started getting Yeah. Started. I mean, that's relatively yeah. recently uh, in the sense of the market's definitely changed since then. It hasn't, but you had your first pen name do really well, but it didn't yeah. do well in scripture, which is a whole interesting conversation that we've talked about before. But you obviously like, <laughs> you went viral once and then you went viral again. So you did it twice. Yeah. What happened from this the first time, I'm just going to guess, you may have like, you obviously knew what you're doing, but you may have been like, well, I had no idea it was going to work out this well. But the second time it actually did work out that well again. So not to say there's a formula or anything like that, but but how, did, how do you replicate success twice across two pen names in which there was no shared audience. There wasn't cross promo. You literally just started a fresh pen name and grew a second pen name, which is your current one, Amelia Rose, to be super successful. How did you get started from zero? Um, I again, I'll uh, say it's definitely the community building for me. Uh, not only was it my, not only are my stories like really tropey and they have really tropey titles and they hit the genres that are popular on Wattpad, um, but I added like all the tags that I could, um, all, all the metadata was on point for one, but then it was a lot of community building. So I, I realized, um, I looked back at my first pen name and I, I saw what I did. I was responding to the comments as I came in because I was super excited that people were reading my first story ever. And so I was like, I'm going to try that again. And I did, and it really helped me kind of push past that um, initial no reads. And as soon as you get like the first few reads, you're, you respond to them, 
you say you leave author notes to, to get people to start commenting and start interacting. And once they start commenting and interacting, um, at least when I started, the algorithm saw that and they were like, oh, wow, this story must be getting really popular because these people are commenting and liking and sharing the story. And so the more people do that, the more at, at the time, I'm not sure if that, I would say it's still, um, the algorithm on Wattpad is still sort of like that. It is a lot harder um, now in 2023 to get a lot of views, but I was able, like for a while, it was hard to reach a million views on Wattpad um, for the past few years, but I just reached it for one of my newer stories that I've been updating just this year um, by doing that community building. And I tested it with um, one story doing a lot of community building and one story not doing any community building at all because I wasn't really interested in that story as much. And the one that I did community building with, it's kind of like blown up. So that's what I would say. I hope that makes sense. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really helpful for people. Um, one thing I've done, um, and so everything's been under my name, but then my trad, it's kind of under my name, but they added um, my um, grandma's maiden name. But And then I just had launched a monster pen name and I had a book up for pre-order, but I had to pull it down because my publisher won't let me to pu publish till October. But I put it up and I had a, a ton of pre-orders and it wasn't connected to me. Um, and, and the reason it was, one of the things I've done, and I don't like the word chasing trends because it sounds bad, but like trad is like 10 years behind on everything, right? So it's like my first book that I published, no one bought. And then second one, no one bought. Um, and the third one blew up because it was like kind of at the beginning of dark romance and it was. And then my second one, I was watching the market really, um, really and stepbrothers were big and I wrote a stepbrother one that was the one that hit number three in the entire Amazon paid stores um and then after that I did a bad boy one which was kind of the thing and then um I had a couple flops like just I was like why am I right like I made nothing and so I'd had so much success and I was like chasing that dragon right and then I was like oh you know I was kind of watching what was going on and reverse harem was coming up so I quickly wrote a reverse harem and that one did incredible top 100 in the store um and then the next you know right now I was kind of saying oh you know monster romance was doing good on TikTok so I just put one up with no promo different name got a ton of pre-orders which I had to cancel because my publisher sucks so that's another story but anyway um you can so you need to see what's trending and that's not copying please don't copy I'm not saying plagiarize or anything like that but like you know if if something is like totally out you know what I mean like you're gonna get less type of um, kind of, well, at least Amazon, you know, suggests things to you. Um, uh, you know, so you do, you, you might get that though, that algorithm is totally broken, but you need to see what's kind of happening and try to write that. And you need to then interact with back to what Amelia was saying, back to what I said earlier about with the community and it has to be organic. It, you, people can tell just same with when I was growing on Instagram, if you're like, Hey, Oh, liked your picture. And you know, you're like, okay. Like it was just totally, but if it's like a genuine interaction, like I read your story, I like this thing. And you're actually truly engaging with these people. That is a way to build your community. Mm. Mm. That's all really, I think really good advice. And with all of this, we've talked a lot about serial fiction, especially in subscriptions, but I, there was an interesting question earlier it's a little bit of a pivot in the conversation. So we'll, we'll come back to serial fiction descriptions, but I think it was a really good one. And it was about how do you know as a writer 
as a day job or Amelia, I know before you were full-time writer, you were full-time student, whatever you're doing full-time that's not writing fiction all day and being an author, how do you know when to really go all in? And that doesn't necessarily mean like quit your job and go full full time that moment with no income. But you know, when when do you when should you really begin to commit? And I think we all know the grind of like you really have two full time jobs for a bit until you have one again. Um, it can be like that for a bit of you're writing so much and doing that. You know, when do you know to make that commitment of I'm going to go for it? What would be your advice to that as two people who are now obviously full time authors? Go ahead, Alana. Ah, I, I was like, <laughs> okay, so yeah, and I will not give financial advice. Um, however, um, look, the only successful writer hasn't quit, right? So there have been many, many times in my career. So I'm talking like, you know, I'm on this thing. I'm like, oh, I did this and it was so great. I had some flops. Like I had some books that just nobody wanted and I made nothing and I lost money on, you know, even after my successes, right? And I wanted to quit. Like if this is your dream, it's like a compulsion. Like, like I wish I didn't want to be a writer. Like it's like, brittle. Um, I don't have a choice. So it, it's like the only successful writer doesn't quit. If you're, it, you, you just keep, keep going um, in order. You go full. If you want to go full, if you see any success, even if you don't, if this is your dream, you commit to it and you, and you do it. Um, I wouldn't say about quitting jobs or whatever, but it, it, I would not even consider, I was a, prior to this, I was a running a test prep company. I got people into uh uh, business school and law school. I tutored LSAT, GMAT, um, any standardized test exam. I'm a total nerd. So, um, but, but I didn't quit that until I knew I was consistently replacing my income and I had savings for it. Um, and yeah. So. Um, kind of going off that, uh, I was doing um, full-time student at college as well as um doing my serialized content and subscription at the same time. And I would definitely echo what Alana said is definitely consistency is really huge. And for me, that was finding one day a week um, at first and writing one chapter. So like a thousand words. And I just did that consistently over, um, oh, over like a, a longer period of time. And writing consistently and releasing consistently, I started to build up a, a fan base and a, a community of readers who wanted to read my story. And that ended up turning into me monetizing and getting that consistent revenue from subscriptions that I was able to go full-time as a writer. So consistency is definitely a thing and it will look differently to different people. And you it doesn't mean you have to write every single day or that you have to um, write ton like tons or a lot of words at once either. It could be something very small, but as long as you like keep keep going and keep chipping away at like uh, maybe a larger word count goal, um, it'll be it'll be good. Yeah, and I also picking on that, every person I meet, like the minute you tell someone you're a writer, first they kind of like roll your eyes or, or like, oh, like whatever. But every person's like, I want to be a writer. I want to write a book. I like, like, it's, it's like the number one, like when I had a, no one said, oh, I want to be an SAT tutor. Like no one wanted, wanted to do, like literally everyone wants to do that. And so just the fact that you're writing, you're ahead, but you know, 
it, this is a job, right? So I can be precious to you. And so like, I can sit there and be like, and I do, don't get me wrong. I'm totally like annoying, but I'm like, I can only write in my oceanfront cafe with my latte and my avocado toast and the thing, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's great. But at the end of the day, this is my job and it is a, a job and I love it and I hate it and I have to work. So I have a book due and I have to write it. So like, you know, it does, you, you, people, I don't know if it's kind of like the full, like, you know, Bella Pock type kind of, you, people romanticize the writing, like, oh, we're these yeah. writers and it's so amazing. And like, well, I mean, that's great. Like, but, it, but it's, a, it's a grind and you have to do it. Like button chair, hands on keyboard, write, write, write. Like, I don't want to hear your excuses. Like, um, and that sounds horrible. I'm totally nice at like, like, but like, you just do it. Like it, it sucks, you know, and you write, I write crap in my first draft. Like they're horrible. Um, and then, and then, you know, I fix it. You can't fix a blank page. So that's my story. Mm, it's I, a job. We're going to get to editing and, and serial fiction. Um, speaking of first drafts, because I know a lot of people think about a workflow and something with early access and first drafts. There's a, a whole conversation there, but uh, I, I want to just chime in my advice uh, being, I, I don't think, you know, you have to think about it in terms of a binary of going all in or not, kind of like people said, it's about consistency, but you also could say that I'm going to really give this a shot and really put a ton of effort into this for the next four to six months. I'm going to exert more because I, I know the feeling of you, you're going to be sacrificing time that you might have with hobbies, potentially with, you don't want to totally sacrifice everything, but you're going to have to make a sacrifice because we have 24 hours in a day and, you know, you, we're filling it up somehow. So if you want to write more, you're going to have to take time away from other things. That's just a necessary kind of thing. So I, you know, maybe in the future, you're hoping to sacrifice other things that you might be forced to do to pay the bills um, to then slot in your writing time. But that's not a thing that you can do on day one. That just, you can't, you have to keep doing those things to pay the bills and do all that. You have your commitments in life. So writing is going to eat into other things, other things that you might care about. So you have to then really think, how badly do I want to be a writer? Am I willing to, you know, give this up now or do a little bit less of this? And the answer probably for all of us is yes. But if the answer was yes forever, that's a very different question. So why don't you just say yes for a couple months and give it a shot and say, I'm going to, I'm going to write this first book. You don't have to think about having everything and blowing up in that very specific time period, but instead treating it as this sprint that you're going to go on. And then you can do another sprint and reevaluate instead of making that um, big, big commitment. We also had another question about nonfiction in serials. And then Kamara, you also fo followed up with advice on being a public speaker, which is, this is great, great questions. And we definitely focus mainly on fiction authors because we are all fiction authors and that's what our community mainly is. But, but we're lovely to have you here. My, my quick advice is that serials and nonfiction are quite quite different. Like you could write a nonfiction book in like a serialized format, but that would more be like a newsletter, right? You're not going to be having this sort of story and this arc and these characters. Like that's just not part of nonfiction. I guess you could serialize a memoir, but a memoir is also like story structure wise, not too dissimilar from fiction. So my quick advice on that is that, um, you know, especially like the serial fiction platform guide, like no readers on Wattpad, like I should say barely any people don't go to Wattpad to read nonfiction. People don't go to Royal Road to read nonfiction. So you would want to be looking at different places. Now, as far as you're writing a book and launching a public speaking career, um, 
that's all about your brand, right? And this goes back to even fiction authors as well. Like if you want opportunities to, you know, speak to an audience, provide expertise, to build a community, you should start building your own community first. So I would recommend a podcast, a YouTube channel, a newsletter, whatever you like best. And you're essentially repackaging content in your book, the conversations, the topics, whatever you are niche-wise as a nonfiction author or a fiction author and sharing that with an audience. Um, the best thing I can do, because I can't give you a masterclass this now, is direct you to some creators who I think do a great job. Jay Klaus is a free podcast called Creator Science and a free newsletter that I recommend you sign up if you're interested in learning how to build a community, especially as a nonfiction author. Has some good insights for fiction too, but the name is Jay Klaus. I'll put it in the chat. So that's just my quick aside there. And the public speaker thing, I've done a ton of, so like to me, your success. So yes, you can do all this stuff too, but I'm, I have this one friend who I adore, but she kept saying, oh, you know, when teach all these classes for all these authors and about fiction, I'm like, but she hadn't written a book. And I was like, um, okay, well, you know, why is someone, you know, gonna, you know, take that advice, you know, and unless you had, you know, they want to go to someone who's had that. So, I mean, I never set out to be a public speaker. Um, when I started getting success on Amazon, like RWA would reach out to me and then KDP would reach out to me. And I've done stuff with KDP University. And now that I'm trad, I've been flown around the country. I've spoke last year at Tucson Literary Festival, which was incredible. Um, I spoke at Las Vegas Festival, San Diego Festival, the books. Um, I go, I get paid. They put me in hotel rooms. They feed me like, so, you know, and I'm not kind of putting it out there, not saying that, I mean, there are definitely things I could do. Like I could, yes, I get a podcast and do YouTube and do all this kind of stuff. Um, but, um, kind of being visible in your field in whatever way, like then a lot of these opportunities come to you. So I know that's not really, you know, it's back to the bill that you'll come. That's less like an inactive approach to it. Um, but yes, there are definitely things you can do to increase that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I guess with you, you've built your brand off of your platform as a fiction author. So if you're in nonfiction, you probably have to build your own platform. Uh, that's right. At the end of the day, we're all building our own platforms and all, all building our own brands. So we had, um, I think, an interesting question about craft and cereals. And I think an interesting clarification point that I want to ask, which is when you edit the novel format, Basically, when you take a serial to edit in the novel format, um, what are you doing differently about it? Like when you, Alana, took Seven Deadly Seals and took the the more novella, like season-sized things into the, the mega season and had it, you said you changed it from being more of a serial format to a novel format. What actually took place in that editing process? I understand why you did it. You yep. want to make it more fit for the novel readers, but what did you actually do? Yeah, um, I go over this in depth in my class, um, but uh, basically what I do, so I write serials different. So I write serials and I end on the rising action, right? So I'm always ending on the cliffhanger. I'm trying to get them to do it, but I plot. So I, I took my book, I took the three. So when I turned it into the actual, so this is is three of these books. Um, and so when I took this, then what I did is I took these three and I replotted it into a traditional romance arc. Um, and then I made sure that I hit those points in a in a romance arc. And so then I edited it. So my romance beats. Um, and so in the serial fiction class, I focus really on how to write for serial fiction. I have another book class called the breakout book class where I focus on how to write actual romance novels. And I talk, one of my editors, she's amazing. Um, Gwen Hayes, Romancing the Beat, I Would Die for Her. She is incredible, but she really talks about how 
um, you know, so like the dark moment and, you know, the different um, points, you know, hero one, hero two. So basically I took my serial that I'd written and had crafted for the serial format. And then I made sure I hit the black moments and everything like that. So I rewrote the book from the serial fiction. So like, these are the three, the first three that is this, but it's not the same. It's a, this is a different edit. So I'd like to say Nabokov, not comparing myself, he's way cooler than me, but I took a class from his mistress's daughter at, at Berkeley. I went to Stanford, but, um, uh, but um, I heard she was teaching this class, the summer class, and she was like, hates Nabokov and whatever. But what he did, because he's just such a, a, such a badass, but he, he translated his books himself. And so the Russian, and I speak Russian because I was a professional ballroom dancer, then speak English, another random story. But um, the Russian versions of all his books are totally different than the American versions. And it's fascinating to read Lolita in English and Lolita in Spanish because he just translated to them and they mean different things. So they're two totally different books. So not saying I'm that cool, clearly not, but the books in my thing are different. Okay, that's that's awesome. I I I understand the analogy and uh, I'm already very curious about that that class that you took but that's to totally different. oh my god we can talk about that for it we'll, we'll talk about that yeah it's I have so many stories that, that'll be crazy, but... that'll be a fun <laughs> I think she's actually his bio daughter and then like they she like would talk crap like it was amazing it was amazing it was amazing she was very angry it was great <laughs> and uh speaking of classes um I know that you mentioned your serial fiction class just for people who are interested someone asked in the chat I, I put the link uh, to Alana, Lana's classes in the chat. Um, and I'm curious because we we're talking a little bit about um, editing and kind of the sort of serial fiction to novel adaptation. We'll, we'll say that, we'll say the word adaptation. Now, just editing serial fiction in general, especially because a lot of authors, and we've talked about this, they'll kind of put their first draft up for early access on their subscription, chapter by chapter. That's what a lot of authors do. And then they'll go and edit it later. But how should you approach editing serial fiction how should you approach that i'm probably bad to ask about this <laughs> i'm probably really bad to ask this question because i don't edit at all yeah so I, mean, I, I was gonna say yeah okay. i do the first draft and i'll read it over just for spelling and grammar i still miss spelling and grammar sometimes but then i just post it and then they read it and I'm I'm one of those readers who I'm writers who um, my stories I don't plot at all, um, but my stories end up being really clean and there's like beginning and or middle and end and it's not plotted it's just like however I write it I, I write how as if I were reading it and I don't know what's going to happen next but I end on that cliffhanger and we'll see what's what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's not edited until I'm ready to put it into book format and release it on wide retailers. Absolutely. I do the exact same thing. So for these, because I wrote them as I, I, I this first one came out in 2014. And so because I wrote this, I wrote it actually as a book. So it was edited. So when I actually put it on Radish, I just put the chapters, which were already read it, ed, edited down. But then once I was writing live, which is what Amelia does, then I never edited it. I wrote it. Uh, I would edit it myself. I would put it through Grammarly. I would put it up and I wouldn't edit it until it was in book form. Now, at some point then Radish, when they were trying to do it, they had me on this system where this was hell. They had me write it and then send it to their editor and she would send it back to me. And so that like in that day, and it stressed me out like so much because it was like, I, you know, I wasn't gonna, I, that's, it's very hard to edit 
like a small portion of it because they don't know what's happening. And so they would say things and I'm like, I can't do that because, you know, so I have a secret thing, like, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, I can't, I, it's, it, it was a nightmare. Like I felt like it had to be edited in a longer form. So I don't edit as I go. That's, I think, I think that's good to hear. We had someone say, um, I think Chelsea says, very, very validating to hear how Amelia works. And obviously you work in a similar way. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, if if you kind of are viewing your writing as sort of like each time you put into your writing, you want to like create like the most efficiently, the best stories possible. Um, then there's definitely something to be said about like, you don't want to go back and completely rewrite every book you've written because you could have written two books that time. But um, there is this sort of, um, you know, question of regardless of how you're writing and editing, not everyone writes super fast. And we had a question in the chat that I thought was pretty interesting, which is talking both about hitting those tropes, hitting the trends, but we all know those things change. And what happens if you aren't able to almost keep up with those trends and keep up with those tropes? Um, their question specifically is how can they get ahead of that so they're not late to the game? That's their question, but I'll rephrase that and say, you could answer that, but I'm also curious about just in general, like for us who aren't fast writers, Kimbu earlier, I believe you asked that Kimbu, sorry if you didn't, but I know you're here, um, asked how do you match quality with quantity of output in serials? And there, there is always this conversation, sometimes we think there's a trade-off, some writers say there isn't, some writers say there is, but I'm curious for your take on that quality versus quantity. And then, you know, how to hit these trends when you might not be able to keep up. It's kind of connected. So I would quote Stephen King if I remember the quote, but basically in early in his career, like he was writing so much and the publishers and they didn't have enough paper. And so then he started Richard Bachman, which is Penn Mame. And I mean, I think he's just the best writer ever. So I'll fight the quality versus quantity. People can write fast and still write good. When I write slower, I don't think, um, but some people do, do take forever, like, you know, you know great uh, Game of Thrones, you know, so, the, you know, there's not a uh, one, one fit all policy. So um, I would say just because you write fast doesn't mean it's less quality. Um, with regards to the trends, you're never you're never going to be like on trend. I mean, like even all these examples where I'm saying I hit the trend and made all this money or whatever, I was still like a month or so behind. And now, like as I said, I was have a, I was supposed to have a monster romance coming in April. My publisher blocked it, um, so it's not coming to October. So I'm so angry because that's going to be six months behind. I will still I'm pretty sure I'll still do well with it. I'll be fine. I'm still kind of on that trend. Um, so it's, it's not that you like, don't write it and you miss the boat, but, but you don't, you write it, you commit to it, you finish it, you see, you know, you see how it goes and you decide if you're continuing that series or you want to go in another direction. Other biggest failure in my career besides consistency is I, I genre hop. And so to me, the top, top authors, have always been like, you know, Elena Johnson, who like always writes like clean beach fiction or like, um, you know, Trish, like um, someone who just writes like Navy SEAL romantic suspense. And I I kept jumping around. Um, so there is something to be said about being consistent in your genre at, because your fans want more of the same. They want to feel that whatever vibe you're giving them um, and doing that. And so I haven't had a lot of crossover because I write all over the place. Like, like I'm working on a cozy mystery now and then a middle grade historical novel. So like, don't be me. Um, but, but um, yeah, consistency 
So, I don't know. Long yeah, I, I, no, I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm also one of those people. I stick to the romance genre, Mine's but right. I do all over. Like I, I'm paranormal, uh, fantasy, contemporary, new adults, dark. Um, but I, again, I would say, um, I think it definitely depends on what your definition of quality is. Because does does that mean you want the story to be like super perfect, like everything in your plot is like the best it could be, or do you mean like grammar and spelling? And there's different definitions of what quality a quality story is to you and to your reader. Like those are going to be different, and the readers depend on hey, are these serial readers or are these readers who read on Amazon and Ku? Because those two readers see quality as something like very different. I know on Amazon, um, those readers need the story to have perfect grammar and perfect spelling or you're going to get really bad reviews. So it's definitely dependent on where you post the story and what you're talking, like what you're talking about in that realm. And um, writing to market, I would say, at least for me, I do I did say that I write, write these specific tropes that hit at a specific time, um, but it's not because I was trying to hit those tropes. I like this, like um, the my books that hit were shifter romances or werewolves. And I just genuinely love, or at the time, I just, sorry, <laughs> genuinely love writing shifter romances. And so, I don't think like you could come in at a bad time as long as you're writing really passionately. And there's still gonna be readers who read monster romances like two, three years from now. Um, and then that trend and that genre is going to pick back up at some point. Like it might not be in the next five years, but maybe somebody finds your book in seven years and the genre kind of explodes again. So that'll be my take on that. I totally agree. There are always people who want that. And that with the Amazon algorithm, if you're, you know, you can target them through Amazon ads, even if it's a smaller niche, niches do incredible. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch back on too is editing. So now that I'm trad, uh, so, so many things to say, but um, like my traditional book I wrote, I edited it and I had already, I did my same process in my indie book because I sent it to my, my three freelance editors. Um, one is Gwen Hayes, who just pretty much goes through the romance beats. And then I have two other long suffering editors who for some reason haven't dropped me. But however, then I sent it to my actual traditional editor and she edited it. And then I rewrote it again. Then her sister edited it. I did four, I did like nine rounds of edits on that book. Right. And so as an indie author who never did that, and also like I would do what Amelia would do, like I would just, you know, write and publish. And then I would, you know, with my indie edits, even though they were incredible, I would do one round of edits and I would publish. I would not just go, okay, hey, you know, because I need to get another book out. I won't go, hey, now I'm going to re-edit the book from scratch here. I'm going to send it to you again. Um, so it's it's just a different thing. So whatever your editing process is, you know, and then, you know, the traditional published books, because I'm a 97% print sales there, they're just looking for a different thing. It doesn't mean our books are worse or not edited as well. It's just like an absolute different process. That's why I write the book and it comes out two years later. So, you know, there's different genre expectations, different publishing expectations, and books aren't better than the others, just like a different way that they're they're done. So mm. Mm. Lot, lots of really good insights here. I I, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. I really want to shift the conversation to talking about um just briefly novels inscriptions because we've had now a few questions in the chat about that um 
But I want to say that I put a link in the chat to this video featuring John Truby and Joe Solari, both people who are quite prominent in the CUNY. And John Truby recently, in November, he came out with a book uh, called The Anatomy of Genres. Some The subtitle I'm going to forget, but I read it recently. Um, it's a big book. It's like 700 plus pages, but it is honestly like incredible. If you've ever read his Anatomy of Story, um, Anatomy of Story is really good because it's written for like, he he's really like kind of got big as a screenwriter coach. Um, so it's like as a serial, someone learning how to write serials, like the amount of story is great, not because it really teaches you like the serial format for serial fiction, but because it's great for any author in any genre. Um, but that's kind of the background he comes from television movies. Right. Um, but what I found interesting about kind of his prediction on where, you know, fiction and where media is going in terms of storytelling is being able to combine these genres in unique ways to build your own brand. And this kind of idea of like understanding these psychological concepts and triggers underneath all these genres and nailing like three or four, 10 out of 10 is going to be like the unique way in which people combine and invent these new subgenres and these new markets for themselves. So that's, he like goes on and on about it and then talks about how Hollywood's doing this. And that's why he wrote like this basically breakdown of the 14 major storytelling genres. It's a, it's a very good book. And if anyone has any time to, um, yeah, M Marcia, thank you for the chat. That's great. Um, the anatomy story, how story forms explain the way the world works. Um, it's really great. Um, and I, yes, that's what John Truby was talking about, um, Corey, in that video. Um, basically, you know, regardless of defending against AI or not, because I don't want to bring this conversation to AI, it's about how do you create a moat around your stories that's unbreakable? How can no one be you? How can you be the only Amelia Rose, the only Teresa? I'm picking your name because you're in the chat. Um, but um, that, that's um, that's another good book that I've heard great things about with Universal Fantasy, Teresa. So um, we love we love good book recommendations. But but with that said. We had a few people, I think Jen mentioned it and then someone else, um, Jen Cantwell, which is great to have you here. Um, what if you're listening to this and you're going, yeah, Serial Fictions is not for me, but you still want to do subscriptions. Can you do subscriptions with a novel? I, I know what both your answers are going to be, but I think we need to just share. It. Oh, you could do subscriptions with literally anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my, my big answer. Like anything you could think of, you could do subscriptions with. If you want to do them as a book, you can do early access, like get the whole book at one time, uh, maybe like four or five weeks before it's actually released. You could do special edition paperbacks and hardcovers where there's only like 40 of them ever printed and you label them like one out of 40 and that's, that's what you sell um, through your subscription. The possibilities are endless. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You can do subscriptions for absolutely anything. There's so many options. There's a guy, Stu McLaren, who teaches nonfiction subscription subscription sites. So like subscriptions is, I mean, there's subscriptions for coffee. At Pan I mean, absolutely. You can do subscriptions for anything at all. Um, I know a lot of people like serial fiction is kind of weird and there's some people do it um, and some people don't. But the, the reason I, I want... The reason I did serial fiction is I was obsessed with this television show called Homeland and I wanted to write a TV show. So I, you know, had no, no screenwriting or connections or anything. So I wrote this. Um, and I think I briefly mentioned that the Amazon rep, they just pitched it to seven deadly um, seals to the Amazon studios. And I have another book that will be um, my traditional book, which will be on um, television for sure. And it was bought by my favorite streamer, but I, I can't give details on it. But um, the reason... 
the reason serial fiction in is a fact if you think of it like a tv show so it might be kind of whereas like a book is more like a movie so you know um writing wise it might help you to think of that way whereas like a tv you're creating more you're creating more of a world right so not like that a movie can't be a world but you have a movie and then you end it and then you have the next movie and that could be a sequel but not versus a serial or a tv show you kind of have that yes obsessed with homeland sorry someone total i could talk i will totally like hijack this conversation talk about homeland i won't but um i went to this uh master class in um in uh at hedgebrook with the showrunner of homeland and she did the pilot for seven daily seals and like i wasted like all my precious time like oh my god tell me what happens in season like she like I totally fangirl I'm surprised she didn't take a um, restraining order uh one tip I want to give to everyone in serial fiction and I want to actually put Amelia on the spot because I want you to have it because this when when Amazon Studios contacted me they were like do you have a pilot and I had one and so I sent it um I had two days and thank god I had it um and then I had a pilot and I had pitch deck and I had all this kind of stuff so um for any of you guys who have this pipe dream of seeing your thing on tv or if you ever watch a show and you're like I can write that um you know it's really great experience to learn how to write a pilot to have it just in case you get one of those calls um because I would have died if I had to write that in two days so luckily I had one and sent it so um adapt your own stuff final nice. draft yeah <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that would be a very stressful today so, so I'm glad you had it and <laughs> yeah yeah that would be really really bad um yeah it would have been, it would have been a bad bad day <laughs> so. You know, I do, I do want to share with everyone though, that, you know, serial fiction subscriptions, um, when we, when we talk about it and when you even see authors that do well in subscriptions, th there's a lot of serial fiction authors who do well in subscriptions. Um, by my estimate, I would say maybe around 40% of authors who are doing well in subscriptions, you know, which we've released this kind of list of like the top 500 fiction authors subscription from 2022. It's definitely out of date by now. It's already been a few months. The market changes, but but what that is to say is that we've looked at literally hundreds and hundreds of subscription pages. And there's no doubt that serial fiction, there's a correlation between that and doing well descriptions. But but there's a few things. First of all, there's plenty of authors who don't come from all the serial. And I think there's two important takeaways. One, which is why serial fiction tends to do well in subscriptions. And then two, which is what subscriptions really all are about anyways. And I'd say the first thing is why subscriptions and serial fictions tend to go together is because you have a very natural, especially in, um, you know, when you're writing like the early access model, chapter by chapter, there's a very natural, easy reason to get someone to upgrade, which is to want to read that next chapter now and keep getting them. So the, that business model and the like psychological trigger of I need more right now, like goes hand in hand, right? But then the second part, and this is the part that I think is the real reason, um, in, in outside of that, that really gives the subscriptions longevity is because ultimately any author who is just building their fan base off of these short-term highs is at some point going to have that story end and then a new one begins, but the reader then doesn't have that specific fix anymore. So then you should see a massive drop in subscriptions, right? A massive drop. And there is a typically a drop in subscriptions. We do see this, but it's not massive. And why is that? Because serial fiction also helps you build something else which is a relationship with your readers, community, right? That's literally what Amelia was saying was why her serial was successful. You can build community in the comments of a section of a Wattpad chapter. That's great. You don't have to. You can build your community other places. You can build a relationship with your readers, but that brings us to the second takeaway, which is subscriptions 
less than being about serial fiction because there's lots of other business models. We've created a lot of content about it. So I'll, I'll keep trying to link to things that you can click into the chat that we've done about other topics related to descriptions. This is actually the first time we've ever done something specifically about serial fiction, which is kind of shocking to me. We've been doing this for 10 months and this is the first time we're explicitly talking about it. That just shows you how much other stuff there is. But when it comes to the big takeaway in descriptions is this is about membership. This is about someone feeling like they can be a part of what you're doing, a part of your process, a part of your community and connected to you as an artist and the worlds and your characters. I mean, that's like this core psychological tendency underlying this. It's a relationship, relationship marketing, really. So uh, I just want to like address those questions because they're great questions. And Amelia and Alana both gave some great insights on how you could actually materialize that in, oh, I don't write serial fiction. Here's what I can offer. But back to serial fiction, thinking about the broader market of it, I know we're going to have a lot of people here listening who are like, I write maybe urban fantasy, or I can just list off genres. But what genres from your experience, would you say if, if you're an author who actually wants to write serial fiction, there's probably an audience out there for you in this format? Because definitely, you know, literary fiction, for instance, um, isn't something that is very popular on KU, even an ebook format. Literary fiction is really paperback driven. So for the serial fiction market specifically, for that reading behavior, what genres tend to do best? I know it's a generalization, but I think it will be a helpful one to make. I mean, a lot, like not just, so obviously romance, but there was a, I had a friend who I was doing something with and he was incredibly successful and he wrote like, like male police procedural, like not, they weren't even really thrillers, but he did it as a serial made a killing. Um, you can do it with pretty much anything, um, you know, short reads are a thing. Like sometimes you're in the mood to read a book and sometimes, and you know, but, um, you know, you can do it with mystery, um, fantasy, uh, Rob Fear, who was the number one on Radish was fantasy, not romance at all. Um, it was like a historical fantasy too. Um, so a lot of stuff, um, but romance really does, does incredible. The, and the other person you really need on, if you want to do a, another serial fiction, one of these is you should get Tamara. She's cooler. She's amazing. You should get Tamara Lush on, on, on these type of things. Cause she can give, so she's a Wattpad superstar and she can give so much insight. I am as well. So we'll actually yeah. have to do that. I would love to have her on. Um, she's great. And I'm curious for your advice, Amelia, on that as well, genre and serial fiction. Yeah, I would say um, pretty much any genre you could do it with. Um, what I've seen is romance and um, lit RPG do really, really well. Um, they have really great communities, um, very active communities and they want more serial fiction like all the time um but I really think it could do really well with mystery like mystery and thriller just because you have that natural like clip like like you leave off on like cliffhangers and you're just like well what's gonna happen next you have to read to continue and I want somebody to do mystery and just if you do it and you're very successful let me know because I want to see it yeah, Tamara's is, is she tried to do it with mystery. She does um, mysteries. Um, um, my Seven of the Seals is pretty much a thriller. And I think that's why it did well. So even though it's a romance, like it, it is a thriller, but it's definitely smutty. Um, but I, I think thrillers have that. I mean, you know, you think of like Gone Girl, like serialized. It has that, that serial type of um, that, you know, immediacy that you want, that potent hit, that answers. So. Yeah, the market's growing so quickly for serials that I'm I'm un, I'm unconvinced that there's not 
a major genre fiction in which it wouldn't do well in. I mean, you mentioned serial, um, serial fiction with like thrillers and mysteries. Um, those don't do well on platforms like Wattpad, but they tend to do really well in podcast format, fiction podcast. I mean, that's one of the most popular subgenres of all podcasts, period. So, you know, once you look across like all, once you broaden your horizon about like where writers are publishing, you look and it's like, mm, there's different places they're all doing well. And it's interesting to like think about the reader behavior, like the problem these things are solving. Because like LitRPG, obviously we all know what LitRPG is now. A decade ago, no one knew what it was. It wasn't a thing, which is kind of wild to think like there's been this genre that's come out of nowhere. And I think why it does so well in serial fiction, but feel free to challenge any me, anyone in the comments is, you know, if I'm playing a video game and I'm really kind of playing in this sort of almost episodic format, I'm not going to binge the entire campaign of a video game very rarely in a single sitting. I mean, definitely some people do that. And but that's hard because the average video game campaign takes like 60 hours to get through. It's like, that's a long time. If you're, especially like these triple A titles take a really long time to get through the story. Books obviously don't take usually 60 hours to get through, um, but they still take some time. And because like a lot of people who play video games are used to doing it, like, oh, I get a little bit of that story. I'm waiting for the next part when I can come home and keep playing. And also as well, developers started releasing video games in this sort of serialized format where there was more, you know, DLCs, new packs, you get, you kept getting more of the story after the initial launch. So even if there was like a, a game, you know, you'd have Fortnite season one, Fortnite season two, which that's not the best analogy because Fortnite's not a narrative gameplay, but, but regardless, you start seeing this. So it's interesting to look at like reader behavior what people are consuming, different content formats, and then how that can get taken to the written word. Because LitRPG did this as a huge market. Like, where are people consuming thriller and mystery not in text format? And how could you mimic what is successful on TV and put it into a book? Clearly, people like serial thrillers and mysteries. They watch them all the time on TV. Kind of um, by I, going... Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna say, kind of going off of that, um, with why lit RPG is so popular, and and referring to a few games. Um, I know World of War Warcraft. I think WoW does that very well, where they they release like chapter by chapter. But also, um, there's another game called Dead by Daylight, which I play um often, and they do release like chapters. So they have these characters release every so often and they have like their backstories and it's pretty cool um but another reason why i think the rpg does so well is because um they, there's such a huge community around gaming like some games you like play solo but some games you play as like a team and it's constantly like you're you're there with your team you're there with your community and that's what these um lit, lit rpg kind of feels like sometimes yeah, the other genre that I think that would do well, and I have a really good friend um, who's just this incredible true crime writer, Caitlin Rother, um, and, and um, I feel like true crime, just based on the success of podcasts, would do really well as serialized um, fiction. Um, but, um, you know, I find just kind of certain genres who have kind of adapted the e-publishing model or the self-publishing model are more receptive to this. And... Um, other genres who've been more traditionally seeped. Like when I talk to my trad friends, um, they're all like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, and like, they just like, they don't even, they think I'm lying or like, I don't even understand. Like, it's just, it's, there's a, not a stigma against serial fiction, but like in other countries, like in Korea and China, this is just this huge, 
huge thing. And here it's kind of like, oh, whatever. But like, you look at TikTok, um, you know, just like people, you know, certain people read books. So what's been interesting to me as a trad author is, you know, as a 97% of my books um, sold by those are, are print, whereas prior as an ebook author or as an indie author, I had 97% ebook and 3% print. And so, you know, I'm getting the people who are buying my book who buy the one book a year that's in the airport or, you know, it's in the bookstore and those are different people. And then the readers who, you know, might read serials with the app, which is why Kindavella, like it's not really an app function. So you're kind of, my full goal is to get every reader ever, which is why I'm wide, but I also have books in KU or whatever. And then I do serial stuff and I do trad. Like, I just want, like, there's readers everywhere and it all works for serial fiction. Um, but a certain genres and their authors who have not seen success in that will say, hey, well, no one's ever had a successful true crime serial. Well, that is because it's not, they haven't done it, right? So it takes someone to kind of break through and to kind of do that. Anyway, that's my babble. Hmm. Okay. No, that's great. Great advice. Um, Jen, uh, Jen, I saw your question. I think a great answer will be this podcast that I linked. Um, the short TLDR is that um, you can do both. You can do both. You can, you can If you want to create a podcast form of your serialized story, you could read it yourself, hire someone or there's you know new tools that you can also use. So those are just things I'd mention. Um, Chelsea then asked, when you're doing multiple genres as serials, do you break them up into different pen names? Um, she also asked, that sounds like so much to manage with regards to accounts. So basically, obviously, do you really have to do it? If it's a good idea, she'll do it, but do you have to? I I would say if it's subgenres, like all subgenres of romance, I think it's okay to put it under one name I do that but if it's like actual genres like romance and thrillers or romance and mystery and they have like no overlap like there's no like romantic mystery or romantic thriller um that you're writing I think it would be most beneficial to separate it out um but I don't know take that with a grain of salt because I only write one genre yeah so I I write so far what I've released is all everything's done under my name and I kept it. Um, but then the only reason I was going to put the monster romance under separate pen is because of my traditional publisher. Um, but if they didn't exist hundred percent, I would just keep all the romance together. And then yes, I may, if I do a cozy mystery, that may be a different name because they probably do not want to read my super smutty <laughs> romance, you know, and then definitely I'm trying to shop a traditional middle grade book. Um, and that would definitely not, you would not want that near my other books. So, um, it, it, but yeah, I would put all romance together. Um, but yeah, I have different. Mm, mm, yeah. So, um, that's, uh, we, we, we'd love to answer specific questions on genres, but given we only have five minutes left, we're going to keep it going with some other questions. And why don't we like right now, like buzzer beater questions, like put in the chat, anything that we haven't talked about that you want us to talk about, let's get to right now. Um, I want to just chat about Marsha, um, which asked um, people who are like exchanging reads in Facebook groups or wherever else to try and build up an audience. She suggests on Vela, but this could happen anywhere. This could happen on Wattpad. This can happen on Radish. Is like a read for read strategy a good idea to build up an audience? Absolutely not. Do you want to lose your account? Yeah. And I think it goes like beyond that too. Like there's definitely a chance you're going to lose your account if you do that. But also like so a lot of times authors are not like your focused reader and like that sometimes readers are authors and authors are readers but 
if you're doing a serial and you're posting on Bella, chances are you just want to, another author isn't going to like read your work. And if they do, like, that's great, but they're not your target reader. And I don't know what Bella's algorithm is, but if it gears towards like, if there is an algorithm going on with Bella right now, um, you don't want a bunch of authors reading your work because they're not your target reader. Absolutely. Totally strong against it. Number and I, Millie and I have talked about this about how we no longer know how to read. <laughs> like we're, yeah. you know, I will read, you know, but like here, here's it. One thing I see on TikTok, and so obviously, as I said, I offer courses for authors, but on my TikTok, which again is totally dormant, so do not like. I mean, I, I suck. I don't put, but like, if if you're promoting your books, it should be about your book. So then I'll see authors on TikTok giving advice for readers and that's great. And I may do that, but then I would call this like authors tips for readers. I wouldn't call it, you know, promote my book. You know what I mean? Because like, like the people who I am trying to reach, who I want them to see, you know, my, any type of advertisements or short from videos, I want them to be readers. They're not necessarily the same person, like how to get more reads on Vela. Those are two totally different people. So you want to kind of niche that out. So I would say no. Okay. We have our last question which is someone asked, are you selling cereals directly on your website? But I want to parlay that with an additional question, which was asked earlier. We try to get all the questions, everyone, but there was a lot that came with, but we're going to parlay that earlier with. So do you sell cereals directly on your website? And let's just say, regardless of where you sell them, if you're like having a subscription, should you think about your subscription as pricing like each chapter a specific amount? Like, is there like a specific amount you should price each chapter? Or is that not how you should be thinking about subscription pricing? So kind of the dual question, do you sell on your website? And how do you think about pricing with chapters you're releasing and a monthly subscription amount? Um, so I sell my serials in book format on my website. It's really, really hard to sell like one chapter at a time on your website. Just, yeah, I don't even want to get into that mess. I have, my books are like 50 to like 150 chapters long. And if I have to like one chapter at a time, it's going to become crazy. But um, I, I don't personally think about it as per chapter when I'm pricing my subscription. Um, yeah, that's, that will be my answer to that. Um, I, there's, I am not selling anything on my uh, website right now, but hundred percent would not sell it per chapter. So I would definitely do a subscription model and then, you know, possibly sell books on my site, but absolutely not per chapter. Um, yeah. Um, I will say that, you know, I've done the math. And so definitely like if someone's buying my stuff on Radish, they're paying more than, you know, per chapter than they would if they just bought the book by the time the book's on sale. But of course they've gotten it earlier and it's a different reading experience or reading it as a serial versus a book. Um, so. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll add my last insight on this, which is when thinking about pricing your subscription, which we have an entire webinar on pricing a subscription that I will put in the chat and before we like officially end. But my my main advice would be that your actual subscription price isn't tied to the quantity of output you produce. I've seen authors charge five or ten dollars a month for one chapter a month of an exclusive novel. And then likewise an author producing 30 chapters a month charging the same amount. Um, is that other author creating 30 times more value for the reader? No, they're just creating 30 times the content. That reader still values that author enough and values the relationship and those stories to pay them five, $10 a month. So I guess if you're playing the output game, you're never going to win in that, especially in the age of robots. But if you're playing the human game and connecting with people, 
you know, you want to charge a fair price. I think charging $100 one chapter a month prices out a lot of your readers regardless, but whatever is sustainable for you, you know, don't be afraid to like, you, you should not be pricing a subscription at a dollar or 50 cents. Like someone who wants to support you can pay you $5 a month, regardless of whether you have two chapters or 10 chapters. There's more nuance to it, but that's my like baseline advice. Otherwise, we have any last words from Alana and Amelia? I don't think so. Not for me. I'm good. Well, I'll just, <laughs> you want to check out Alana and learn more from her. You should check out the work with um, me section on her website where you can find her classes and other things she does for authors. She has some awesome stuff and um, we're very excited to have her on. And otherwise, I'll put the subscription webinar in the chat. Like I promised everyone, I'm going to get it out. And otherwise, I hope everyone has an amazing day. Everyone enjoys this. And if you came in in the middle or want to review parts of this, um, we're going to have we're going to have it recorded. It is recorded. So it'll be live soon. So anyways, thank you, everyone. And I hope you have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Um, bye. Bye. You too. There's that in the chat. Now I leave. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Sib and Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. you all are awesome.